Good morning, everyone, and welcome to today's Focus for Friday, July the 21st, 2023, at 10.47 a.m. Central Time. Today's Focus, depravity versus discipline. Depravity versus discipline. In your Christian life, I really want you to think about this. In your Christian life, how far will self-discipline get you? When you're trying to live out your Christian life, how far will self-discipline get you in against your depravity? So I really want you to write down these. I want you to write down the word depravity. I want you to write down the word uh, discipline. All right. In fact, if you want, you can just take one piece of paper, draw a line down the middle and separate it into two columns. Depravity. I want you to think of all the things that are true of you because of human depravity, how that depravity impacts you, how that sinful nature impacts you, because that sinful nature is not eradicated in salvation. It's not. The old nature remains. So if you still have a sinful nature, if you still have depravity remaining inside of you, then I saw what, so just write down everything that is really true of depravity, how it impacts your mind, your emotions, your feelings, how, how it impacts you really try to articulate, maybe look up some verses that talks about depravity. We, we could go to Jeremiah. Now, I know the Septuagint has a different translation. We could get into all the argument, but the heart is deceitful, is desperately wicked and deceitful above all things. If you have a heart that is deceitful above all things, I think that's going to continue to cause you some serious problems, right? I mean, we can go on and on and on with how our depravity impacts us. So really just try to articulate how depravity still impacts you as a believer. I mean, Paul seems to articulate it a little bit, right? The things I don't want to do, I do. And the things I want to do, I don't do. That kind of concept, it's still very much present inside of you. Then I want you to think of what self-discipline is and what can be accomplished via self-discipline. Self-discipline and depravity. Now, the reason I want you to think about them as you are very aware, you should be well aware if you've been listening to this podcast, that we have been covering the 2023 National Sword Conference, the Sword of the Lord National Conference 2023, and that it wrapped up yesterday evening. Now, I did kind of a, kind of a concluding overview of the conference. I wasn't super happy with it, but, but again, the, the whole goal there was just to kind of share my, my, my feelings at that moment. But I, I don't want to just like, well, hey, there, there was the conference. It's over. Let's just move to something else. So what I'm doing is I'm going back through notes and I'm just looking at different messages that was preached during the 2023 National Sword Conference. And I'm just grabbing different texts. So maybe over the next, I don't know, who knows, week or so, some of the today's focus is going to be based off some of the text that was pre, that was covered in the conference. But I'm going to just kind of do my thing with them and not really worry about what they said. Maybe I will in some of the today's focus, but just to really add, you know, if you listen to the messages, then it really maybe will add more to it. It will, it will make it more beneficial. But for me, I don't want to just walk away. Because those were passages of scripture that were presented, they were read, they were preached. So I want to try to get as much out of them as possible. Now, I had to laugh this morning 
because I've already received an email this morning saying, hey, there's another conference coming up in I think a couple of weeks. <laughs> you should, I think it's going to be a live stream and may, maybe we'll do another, uh, maybe we'll do another summer conference and uh, review. I think, the, I think the one they want me to look at is more charismatic. So I think they, they definitely are trying to end my life, but uh, maybe we'll, maybe we'll do so. I had a lot of fun. It took a lot of work and a lot of my time, but I did have a, little, a lot of fun. So, so maybe we'll look at it. But at the Sword of the Lord National Conference, the National Sword Conference 2023, one of the passages that was preached on was 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 24 through 27. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 24 through 27. And when I looked at the passage today, all I could do is come up with the idea of depravity versus self-discipline. Depravity versus self-discipline. Now, let's first read 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 27. We'll look up a definition of self-discipline, and then we will then try to just kind of struggle through this. I mean, it's today's focus. The goal here is not to be perfectly outlined teaching. It's to give, my job is to try to present you something so that you can focus on it throughout the day, maybe talk to others about it, meditate on it and hopefully benefit spiritually from it. So are you ready? 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 24 through 27. You know this. You probably have most of it memorized. 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 27. We read this. Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize. So run that ye may obtain. And every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, so fight I not as one that beateth the air, but I keep my body un, I keep my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. That's 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 27. Now, if you look at that, you see, I mean, to me, the passage just yells and it just screams self-discipline, self-discipline, self-effort, work, discipline, bring your body under subjection, do this, do this. It is very much a a works-based passage. There's no way to get around it. Do this, 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 do this. So let's define self-discipline so that we just have kind of an idea of what we are referring to. All right, here we go. Let's look it up. Self-discipline. Now here, here is the definition. There's, there's a number of them online, but I'll just start with the first one that shows up. Self-discipline. The ability, now stop right there. The ability, the ability. Now, here's the thing. I want you to think about this. Self-discipline is the ability, right? Meaning that everyone has some ability to exercise self-discipline. It's an ability, right? Now, maybe you can increase your self-discipline. Maybe you can lose your self-discipline. But they, it just immediately starts with the phrase, the ability. So I want to ask you, this is very important. I want you to really think about this. How does your depravity, how does the existence of your sinful nature 
impact that ability? Does your sinful nature limit that ability? Now, I think we would have to acknowledge it does to some level, right? No matter how much self-discipline you develop, no matter how strong your self-discipline is, you may be the most self-disciplined person that you have ever known. If I, if I was to name the most self-disciplined person on earth, it would be me because I'm the most self-disciplined. If you, if you, if that's you, okay, congratulations. That's awesome that you have that self-discipline. But let me, I think we have to agree on something theologically. No matter how self-disciplined you are, there is a limit. There, you, there is a limit to that ability because self-discipline cannot get you to sinless perfection. So, uh, self-discipline cannot get you to be ye holy as God is holy. Self-discipline cannot get you to love the Lord that God with all your heart, mind, body, and soul. Self-discipline cannot get you to love your neighbor as yourself. So it may be an ability, but I believe depravity limits that ability. So how much does depravity limit the ability of self-discipline? Oh, I think, I think, I think we're onto kind of a, a, th- a kind of a hypothesis here, something to really talk about, right? Because a lot of times when you preach 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 27, you're like, come on, people, do this, run the race, bring your body in subjection, do this, do this. And it will, and people will, they will lay out how we're to run the race, what things you have to do. How do you bring your body in subjection? And it's like a to-do list, like depending on the pastor. I mean, in fact, I would challenge you today, grab the Sermons 2.0 app and try to listen to maybe five sermons on 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 27. And just, and just keep, and just make a list of everything they tell you you should do, how you do it, what you should be doing. Cause they're going to tell you, they're going to be telling you what you should be doing. They're going to be telling you how you should do it. Just write it all down. When you're done, take all of that information and go, whoa. Now, and then ask yourself, because it's going to be preached as you have the ability to do this. Now, the question is, how does your depravity or sinful, sinful nature limit that ability? I think I've already demonstrated theologically that it clearly limits the ability because no matter how self-disciplined you are, you cannot get to sinless perfection. You cannot be holy as God is holy. You, you will not ever love the Lord that God with all your heart, mind, body, and soul. You, I'm, I'm sorry, over and over, you, self-discipline cannot get you there. There is a limit. Now, if there's a limit then that we already know theologically, then that puts you in a perpetual state of sin. Okay, that creates all kinds of theological problems. Well, it does, depending on your theology. It should then drive you to Christ and to imputed righteousness. But okay, we don't want to go law and gospel here, but you get the idea. I really want you to think about that. Now, let's go back to this. Self-discipline is the ability to control one's feelings and overcome one's weakness. Now, I would argue our, your weakness and my weakness is my depravity, is my sinful nature. Is that not your weakness, my weakness? I mean, that's the weakness we care about as a believer, right? Oh, we could have physical weaknesses. We, uh, we could have mental weaknesses, right? Mental health issues. I mean, that's a, that's a sickness. That's a disease. So just like you could have a physical a, a health problem, you could have a mental health problem, right? So those are weaknesses. Can self-discipline, self-discipline, obviously there's a, another limit. Well, let me take it back. 
Well, self-discipline has a limit to what it can do for your physical health, right? There's some physical health issues that all your self-discipline in the world is not going to make them go away, right? There's certain things, now they may be able to alleviate, maybe to help or to alleviate certain symptoms, but there's still a limit to what it can do, right? I think we can all agree with that, right? It can, it can help some, but there's still a limit to what it can do. Obviously, self-discipline may have some benefit and some help with some mental health issues. But again, in many cases, it's not, there's going to be a limit in what it can and can't do. But if it's the ability to overcome a weakness and the weakness you and I are referring to is the weakness of human depravity, the weakness of our sinful nature, how, how, can depra- can self-discipline overcome the weakness of depravity? Here we go. The ability to control one's feelings and overcome one's weakness. The ability to pursue what one thinks is right despite temptations to abandon it. Now, once again, they use the word ability. As a believer, do, does your self-discipline grant you the ability to always do what is right, biblically speaking, and to overcome temptations. Now, you say, yes, 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 self-discipline can, can lead. Then you're talking about sinless perfection. So even then you have to go, well, well wait a minute. I got self-discipline, but there's only so much it can do for me because I have the sinful nature. Now, again, if you have a theological perspective that believes in the eradication of the old nature, then of course, self-discipline could get you to perfection. Now, some people would say, well, no, 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 it's not self-discipline. Uh, what will overcome my depravity and gives me the power is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit gives me the strength, not self-discipline. Well, if the Holy Spirit's the one giving you the strength, is there a limit to how much strength the Holy Spirit gives you? Because once again, as a Christian, you're going to say, I cannot be perfect. So even that would be limited. So, but we're focusing on self-discipline right now. I'm just, I'm trying, trying to look at all the theological perspectives that could be present here and in, in the audience that is listening. Everyone's going to have a different perspective, but the goal is to get you to really think about this. All of the, the definition here, or the first definition on self-discipline. They use the word ability twice. It's the ability to overcome. It's the ability to control. It's the ability to control. It's the ability to overcome. How much can you control your depravity and how much can you overcome it? Through self-discipline. I, I think that's very, 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 very important. All right. Um, uh, there's more, there's more I could, I could look here, but I'm going to look up something else. Let me see if I can find it. All right. Um, now, see, sometimes when we talk about total depravity, sometimes in some theological cir- circles, it's called total inability, <laughs> but the, the, uh, yeah, I see. Well, we could get into okay, we could get into a whole discussion here. We could get into a whole discussion about depravity. But the point is, we know we maintain a sinful nature. We we may I want I want to pursue that, but I'm going to just stop myself. I'm going to stop myself because this will turn into a 16 hour discussion on total depravity and all the different theological objections to it, and and then what happens when someone is totally depraved who becomes saved, and we could get into this. But I want to get more into this contrast. 
self-discipline versus one's depravity. So now, if we take 1 Corinthians 9, 24, know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize, so run that you may obtain. All right, so so immediately Paul here wants to draw, he's using a contrast. He's using an example. He's kind of going to something. He's using the Olympic Games here to try to get a point across. But he's getting the, the, the idea of running a race. Hey, everyone may run, but only one's going to get the prize. So you run your Christian life in order to win. You run your Christian life in a way to be successful. You run it. You do it. Now, this is a very much a very self-disciplined kind of idea, right? Now, when if you dedicate yourself to run the Christian life, you dedicate. You're like, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna run, and I'm gonna run in a way to get the prize. Now, you, you could then try to build on this kind of illustration. Well, what does a runner do? Well, they run so many times a day. They may monitor their diet. So then you'll try to then take that over to the Christian life. Okay, well, then you get up every day to train. There's Bible study, devotional time, there's prayer, your diet, you limit what you're bringing into your body that could be harmful or to to your spirit that could be harmful. You want to only bring things in that are going to build you up and edify you. And so you start coming and you're going to come up with a list of do's and don'ts and rules. Now, if you were to do that, the question is, how, how does that overcome your depravity? Now, we got to be careful here, right? Because we don't want to create a situation where it is, well, no matter what effort I give, I'm still going to be defeated to some level. So therefore, what's the point in putting forth any effort? I'm, I'm not trying to get us there. What I'm trying to do is to get us to be open and honest that clearly, no matter how much self-discipline one has, it, there's a limit to it. Right? I can, I can say, I'm going to run the race. I'm going to run the race and I'm going to run to win. Okay. All right. But you know what's still going to be there? It's, gonna, it's still going to be depravity. Now, they go, it goes on to say, here we go. Verse 25. And every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible now, this is the idea that they're temperate in all things. So we should be temperate in all things. They do it for a corruptible crown to win a, you know, race and win a material reward, a material trophy, a material prize, a material cr- a crown. We should do it for an incorruptible crown. Now, clearly, this, I, we, we, I, I think most Christians would agree, this is not referencing ob- obtaining salvation, because this would be obtaining salvation through self-discipline and work. This is about re- receiving a reward, a reward. Now, we can get into a never-ending theological debate. Some people believe that there are rewards. Some people believe there aren't. Some people believe the only reward is salvation, and we can get it. We could just go on and on and on. I think you have to be careful because if you're if you're not careful, then you're really going to say you were you have to run the race in order to obtain salvation. Well, which then would be problematic. So, in order to try to get the prize, to get the crown, 
right? Now, we could look up all the crowns mentioned in the Bible in the New Testament and see what crowns they are and if they articulate what one must do in order to obtain that crown. And then you could set forth what effort would be required for you to get those crowns. That could be an interesting study. Could it not? Let's let's do that. Let's see if we can do that. I wanted to get into total depravity, but let's set that aside. See, crowns in the Bible. Let's see here. Uh, I don't want crows in the Bible. Maybe because I, I actually put crows, <laughs> crowns in the Bible. There we go. I don't. I don't want to know about all the. I don't want to know about all the the uh, crows in the Bible. That's hilarious. All right. Um, okay. Here are the supposed. Uh, this is how one article gives it. Okay. So they say that there's, I think, five crowns. The imperishable crown. 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 25. Do you not know those who run the race all run, but one receiveth the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. Everyone who competes for the prize is temperate, disciplined in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. Now it just says it's an imperishable crown. It doesn't really tell us what we have to do. Well, I guess in order to get the imperishable crown, if we're going to separate this as a crown, then it would be that we uh, run the race in a disciplined way. It doesn't really give us any, um, yeah. Now, some connect it to uh, 1 Peter 1, 4, which is, uh, but not so the heavenly crown. Faithfully endurance wins a heavenly reward, which is an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that does not fade away and reserved in heaven for you. See, I believe that in, in inheritance incorruptible and undefiled in 1 Peter 1, 4, I don't believe you should connect that to the uh, imperishable crown mentioned in uh, 1 Corinthians 9, because in 1 Peter 1, 4, that to me sounds like salvation. Therefore, you're now saying I get salvation by running a race in a disciplined way. That makes then salvation workspace. So see, that's already problematic. Paul just seems to be saying, hey, we run in a disciplined way to get an imperishable crown, not identifying that as what the crown is. He's just saying there are there is a crown. Now, we could argue crowns, plural, but you have to get to get the crown, which is separate from salvation. Salvation you get by grace alone. The crown you obtain by running discipline. So the imperishable crown just is describing that whatever crown we get will be imperishable because it's different from the worldly. So then let's go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 19. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 19. Let's see if this offers any help. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 19. All right, 1 Thessalonians 2, 19. For what... For what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing are not even ye in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming? Okay, crown of rejoicing. They have this as a separate crown. See, I, I don't know if this is going to work. I don't know if we're going we're gonna to make that. Let's read and see what they have to say here. The crown of rejoicing, and then they quote it, for what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing? Is it not even you in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ that is coming? 
The Apostle Paul tells us in Philippians 4, 4, to rejoice always in the Lord and for all the bountiful blessings our gracious God has showered upon us. As Christians, we, we have more in this life to rejoice about than anyone else. Luke tells us there is rejoicing even now in heaven. The crown of rejoicing will be our reward where God will wipe away every tear. There shall be no more death, no sorrow or crying. There shall be no more pain for the formal things have passed away. So now that's, once again, we have a problem. If you're going to say that that's what the crown of rejoicing is, well, then, ladies and gentlemen, that's salvation. That's that's salvation. We are guaranteed there's going to be no more pain and suffering, not on how I run the race, but in what Christ did. So, our, so already this is getting really problematic, right? See, what, some of these sermons lead you into a works-based system. I, I, we are told to run the race, okay, I want you to see, wait a minute, how does self-discipline and running the race, how does that work with your depravity? But then I want to know what crown do we get? What are we running to obtain? Right? I think it has to be a reward separate from salvation. It has to be. They're connecting some of these rewards to salvation. But I want to go back to the 1 Thessalonians 2.19 passage. Look carefully for what is our hope or joy, or crown of rejoicing, are not even ye and the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming. Now, the situation here is the people of Thessalonica who believe who will be in the presence of God. That was their crown of rejoicing. The crown of rejoicing are those who will be in heaven because of their of their ministry, of their labor. That's their crown. Their, their crown of rejoicing, meaning, hey, when you when when we see you in the presence of Jesus Christ, that'll be our crown of rejoicing. I don't think this is about working and earning some kind of crown, because once again, it's not me who saves people. It's God who saves people. So then. I, yeah, that this one is problematic as well. So far, we're, none of these are being very helpful. So far, none of these are being very helpful. All right, let's go to the third one. They have 2 Timothy 4.8. 2 Timothy 4.8. This one, just the name of it scares me. All right, 2 Timothy 4.8. Let's see what happens here. Let's go. Let's just follow this. 2 Timothy 4.8. 2 Timothy 4.8. There's chapter four. This Bible is so small. Second Timothy four eight. Second Timothy four eight. Here we go. Second uh, Timothy four eight. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. All right, now this one. The, Crown of righteousness scares me, right? That scares me a little bit, right? Because, you know, what, what, wait, I'm going to get a crown for my righteousness. But this one seems to be obtained if you love, in fact, the exact words here. Let me read the exact words here. Um, will give me at that day, and not only me only, but unto all them that love his appearing. If you love his appearing then you'll get this crown of righteousness. This seems to be limited. This, this seems to give you a specific way. Love his appearing. What, do you get that through self-discipline? Does self-discipline give you a love for his appearing? I don't, I don't think you can obtain that through. I don't, I don't think you can obtain that that way. 
So I, 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 don't, I don't know. So I don't know if any of these are working, all right? That's the crown of righteousness, okay? Uh, the next one is called the crown of glory, 1 Peter 5, 4. 1 Peter 5, 4. 1 Peter 5, 4. Let's look at this one, see what happens here. 1 Peter 5, 4. And when the chief shepherd shall appear, you shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. Now, this seems to possibly be a crown for anyone who it would be a pastor, who would be ministering. All right? Now, there's a possibility, we, we could at least throw out a, a hypothesis, when Paul in 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 27, is it possible that the crown he's referencing there, the running, the race, the effort, that this is for those who are in ministry? Because at the end of that section, he talks about preaching to others and then being a castaway. Is this, is the crown he's referencing for those who run the race of ministry, that pastors and ministers have to be the ones who are self-disciplined. And self-discipline in ministry can get you so far. Obviously, it can benefit you, right? I mean, you got to be self-disciplined to say, no, 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 no. I'm going to study. No, 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 no. I'm going to record a message. No, no, no. I'm going to put forth the effort. No, I'm going to get, I'm going to work on this. I'm going to do this. And you're putting forth, and obviously trying to keep yourself from, from sin. But again, there's a limit to what self-discipline can do. Now, let's see what they have to say in regards to this crown. They quote, and when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. Though Peter is addressing the elders, we must remember that the crown will be rewarded to all those who long for the love of his appearing. See, now they are connecting this to the crown in 2 Timothy 4.8. Are, are they separate crowns? I don't know. The word glory is an interesting word referring to the very nature of God and his action. It, it entails his great splendor and brightness. Recall Stephen, who while being stoned to death, was to look into heaven and see the glory of God, Acts 7, 55 through 56. This word also means that the praise and honor we bestow to God alone is due him because of who he is. It also recognizes that believers are incredibly blessed to enter into the kingdom and to the very likeness of Christ himself. As Paul so eloquently put it, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. They don't really, are, they don't really articulate or explain it. Now, is it possible that what Paul is, is Paul, in, in 1 Corinthians 9, is Paul making a reference to basically those who minister and saying, hey, 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 if you're going to be in the ministry, then you be in the ministry in order to win. You run, you discipline, just like those people are over there trying to pursue that race to win a material you know, prize. We run for a spiritual prize. So we should then discipline ourselves. Is this a passage mainly for ministers and not for everyone else? And then first Peter is referring to that same idea because he's talking about the under shepherds. Now, then that would be mainly for me. And then I would have to tell you, I've not always run the race to win the prize. I, I have not. I have failed and failed and failed and not done what I'm supposed to do. I, 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 you could call me a castaway.
Now, that means we would have to go back to 1 Corinthians 9, and you would need to read the context of the entire chapter to see if 24 through 27 is not for the people at Corinth, or is it only for those who are ministering at Corinth? Now, if it's for everyone, all right, now someone here, Okay, yeah, no, yeah, someone, okay, someone just mentioned something. At some point, I wanted to get to this, but here we go. But even doing things out of self-discipline can be done with the wrong motivation. And, and that's very true. Like, self-discipline only gets you to discipline yourself. It, it does nothing to do with the motivation why you're doing it, right? So, so yeah, in other words, self, that's, well, that's another limit to self-discipline. Self-discipline can only control the external. Self-discipline really doesn't do a lot with the internal motivation, internal desire, internal feelings. Um, it says like uh, like legalism or wanting to win the crown versus wanting to honor and obey God. Yeah, absolutely. I, I completely agree. I completely agree. For I, I, The only thing I can liken it to is this, and this is not a perfect example, and I know it's going to have to be me talking about myself, which we talked about when reviewing and critiquing the conference. So I don't want to make a big story about myself, but I ha- that's the only story I can tell that I think captures it. In the United States military, we had our physical training and our physical fitness test. Now, most of the time for the physical training, I found ways to get out of going to the physical training, right? I, because I worked in the medical world, I, I was always in good with the doctors and they would always help me out. So while everyone was out there, I, we could stand on the second floor of the hospital and watch everyone running their mile and a half doing push-ups and crunches. And I'd be hanging out with the doctors, eating donuts and, dr- and drinking a Coke, right? I know, probably not good, but I got in good with them. So they would always like, nope, we need him because the doctors were never out there doing their physical training. So I was always hanging out with them. So I, most of the time, now there were times I had to go, of course, but there were, I found ways to get out of it if it was humanly possible because I hated it. I had no desire to be out there. But when it came time for my physical fitness test, I knew I had to pass the test because if you didn't pass the test and enough failures, you can, you can be basically be removed from the United States military because you're not fit for, for duty. And, and I also knew that if I scored, I think, a 90 or above, you would get like a three-day pass and you got some time off from work. And, of course, you're still getting paid. So I had high motivation. One, I didn't want to have any problems in my career. And two, I wanted that three-day pass. So I would use self-discipline, go out there, and I would run the race. I would beat the time, do the push-ups, do the crunches pass the test, get a 90 or above, and I would pass it. Now, on the ends, that self-discipline got me to the external accomplishment. Internally, I was like, I loathe this. I hate this. I think I'm going to die. Who came up with this idea? Because because I was just literally mentally forcing myself to do that. And, and sometimes by the time I crossed the finish line, I literally thought I was going to die. I probably, I, I would lay down on the ground and basically ask for oxygen. Okay. I'm like, someone carry me into the hospital. Okay. Get the, yeah, I, yeah I'm, I'm going, I'm gone. Okay. But so I, I could, I could accomplish so much with self-discipline. But I could not, it did not change my internal motivation. My internal motivation was, was selfish and, and I, internally I hated everything that I was doing. So yes, self-discipline can get us so far, but there's a limit to it. So, but I think, I, I, at least I'm going to put forth a hypothesis here that so far all the crowns, at least in this article, the imperishable crown, that that's just Paul in 1 Corinthians 9 
doesn't really define that. And of course, whatever that crown is, if I, I don't think he's identifying the crown. I just think he says we do it to get a crown. He doesn't really identify what crown is referring to. The crown of rejoicing in 1 Thessalonians 2.19 seems to have nothing to do with a crown. I, I, that, that crown seems to be, hey, it, it, those who are in heaven, they're, they're going to be a crown of rejoicing for me because I'm going to be glad that they're there. I don't think it's a crown that we necessarily earn unless you call it like a soul winner's crown. And then we get it for winning souls. Maybe. I don't know. Uh, the crown of righteousness, uh, that is for those who love his appearing. But how does self, how does uh, self-discipline make you love his appearing? I don't know how that works. Uh, and, and the crown of glory seems to be specifically for under shepherds. Right. And then uh, which I think and then that led me to back to first Corinthians nine. And I'm going to get I'm going to pose the question again. And first Corinthians nine, 24 through 27. Is it possible that 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 Paul is only speaking to those who are in ministry? And therefore, we'd use self-discipline to minister. And that doesn't, that doesn't obviously fix everything. Obviously, we still have wrong motives and wrong desires, but that self-discipline would be very valuable in any endeavor like ministry or any job, right? And that first Peter 5.4 is the same, it's now def- identifies the crown for the under shepherds. So then that would reduce the application to 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 27, not to the average believer, but just to those in ministry. And I would say I'm not getting I'm not getting a crown because I have not been a good under shepherd. I, I I have failed in so many in thought, word, and deed by what I do and by what I leave undone. I mean that's just that's just the reality if it's based off what I do. And then the last one they have here is the crown of life. All right, um, they have Revelation two ten. Revelation two ten. Revelation 2.10. Revelation 2.10. Fear none of those things which thou shalt suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison, that you may be tried, and you shall have tribulation ten days. Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee a crown of life. Now, what is this crown of life? It seems the crown of life is for those who remain faithful when facing persecution and facing martyrdom. Now, this one, again, would not be, you can't associate it with salvation because once again, then it would be salvation based off what you do or don't do. Well, let's see how they describe it. They describe it this way. Um, this crown is for, for all believers, but it is especially dear to those who endure sufferings and bravely confront persecution for Jesus, even to the point of death. In scripture, the word life is often used to show a relationship that is right with God. It was Jesus who said, I have come that you may have life and that you may have it more abundantly. Just as things such as air, food, and water are vital for physical life, Jesus provides us what is required for our spiritual lives. He is the one who provides living water. He is the bread of life. We know that our earthly lives will end, but we have the amazing promise that comes only to those who come to God through Jesus. And this is the promise that he has promised us eternal life. Well, this, this one, maybe you could try to, you, it would require self-discipline to remain faithful even unto death. But here's the problem. Self-discipline would only lead you to being faithful external, would have nothing to say with what's going on internally. Self-discipline would only control the external action, 
not the internal heart, desire, feelings, and motivations. That could be wrong, could be wicked, even in the midst of facing persecution. Now, this article ends this way. James tells us this crown of life is for all those who love God. That's James 1.12. So they're going to say the crown of life has a different, it goes beyond just suffering. Let's see, James 1.12. James 1.12. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. So it seems that then to get the crown, if this same, if this is the same crown of life in Revelation 2.10, then you would have to endure trial, tribulation, suffering, and possible death, and you would have to love him. Now, again, does, does any, is any of that accomplished through self-discipline? The, the maybe being willing to die for your faith can be accomplished through self-discipline, but love him? You, self, you can't self-discipline yourself into loving something. All right. Let's see if there's any more. Um, okay, no, that's it. That's it. That's the, that's the last one they have. So I don't know. I don't know how you want to work that. I don't know how you want to work that. I don't know how you want to work it. To me, 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 27, because we're going to talk about, hey, this, it, clearly it's all self-discipline, right? Be temperate. Bring my body into subjection. This is about effort, effort, work, 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 work. And typically it's applied to all Christians. I'm going to put forth the hypotheses that maybe 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 27 is specifically directed at those who are ministering. And 1 Peter speaks of the crown that Paul is referring to because he seems to be only referring to one crown, right? And the crown would be the crown for the under shepherd. Now, that would have nothing to do with my salvation. My salvation is in Christ. What reward I get for ministering to people would be determined then by, it appears, my actions. And that I need to bring my body into subjection. And I need to do better. Now, I have failed in a million different ways. I, 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 I'm, I'm here to acknowledge that. So I may never get that crown. If we apply 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 27 to all believers, well, then what crown do they get? Because he doesn't say crowns. He says crown. And if we look at some of these other crowns, at least this article connects some of those crowns to literally salvation, which would be a major problem. So what do you think? What do you think? So here's, here's what I want you to do today. You ready? I want you to think about depravity and I want you to think about self-discipline and I want you to consider how far self-discipline can get you, right? And what it cannot do because I believe depravity limits ability of self-discipline. I believe it limits it. I don't know how you can say it doesn't. It limits it. And unless you believe in the eradication of the old nature, you have to acknowledge it limits your self-discipline because your self-discipline cannot get you to perfection. You know it and I know it. And even if it got you to external perfection, it does not get you to internal perfection. Now, I'm not saying, well, then we shouldn't use any self-discipline in our Christian life and we should just do what I want. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying we have to at least be willing to acknowledge the limitations to it. Obviously, we need, we probably need to be better at being self-disciplined as a Christian. 
So I want you to, I want you to just struggle with depravity, discipline, and discipline is constantly described as ability, but I believe depravity limits one's ability. I want you to look up maybe five sermons on the Sermons 2.0 app. Even if you don't make five, one, two, three, you just, five is the max. Anything is sufficient. Look up sermons on 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 27 on the Sermons 2.0 app and just, how do they approach it? How do they approach it? And then consider my hypotheses that maybe 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 27 is specifically for those who minister, those who preach and teach, and that the crown Paul is referencing is the crown in, um, it is the crown of glory in 1 Peter 5, 4, and that's specifically for ministers, for under shepherds, where d- ministry requires self-discipline. I have to be at a rehearsal today. I have to be at a rehearsal dinner after that. And then tomorrow evening, I have to be at a wedding ceremony. To Sunday morning, I will be expected to be ready to go for Sunday school, Sunday morning, and Sunday night. Three hours of teaching in the book of Jeremiah. Oh, yes. And also, I try to do, you know, podcast and try to minister to people this way. Now, to pull all of that off and to ensure that I'm ready to speak and give that sermon at the at the wedding ceremony, to make sure I'm ready to teach for a full hour in Sunday school, to make sure I'm ready to teach for the full, and to make sure I have to have some level of self-discipline. That's effort. That's human effort. That's human work. Now, in, in that area, I think I, I do a good job but I'm still a sinner who falls short and I'm not always self-disciplined in my mind and in my desires and my, you know, I can desire and want things. And yeah, I I make all kinds of mistakes. Now, if we, if we go with my hypothesis, then that would remove 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 27 really being for anybody else. Now you can go look at 1 Corinthians 9 and tell me if I'm onto something or if you think I'm out of my mind. Email me today and let me know. Newsif at yahoo.com newsif at yahoo.com. Today, your job is to consider depravity, self-discipline, and how depravity impacts your self-discipline and the limits of self-discipline and overcoming one's depravity. I want you to look up at maximum five sermons, but somewhere, somewhere between one and five sermons on the Sermons 2.0 app about 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 27. Look at how they handle it, all the requirements they may give you, Right? I want you to do that. I want you to consider my hypotheses that possibly 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 27 is directed towards ministers. The crown that's being spoken of there is the crown in 1 Peter 5, 4, and it's for under shepherds and pastors who have to use self-discipline in ministry. And realize some of the other crowns mentioned in the Bible, be careful about attaching them to salvation, because if you do, and then you go to 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 27 and say, that's how you get those crowns. Now you just said that I get salvation by works. You work yourself into a workspace system. All right. This was supposed to be 15 minutes. I just gave you a, I didn't give you a snack. I didn't just give you breakfast. I think I gave you breakfast, lunch, and dinner, or as we would say in supper, breakfast, lunch, and supper, right? Okay, whatever you want to call it. I've just given you, I think, a whole day's worth of spiritual food. Hopefully, you'll take it and you'll benefit greatly.
from it. Now, if you would like to help us, always a couple of ways. If you're listening to us on the Apple podcasting app, please give us five stars and write a nice review. You can go to theologycentral.net. You can leave us a review right there. If you're using any kind of app that allows you to rate the podcast, please give us five stars and a review. And of course, if you would ever like to support us, you can go to theologycentral.net, theologycentral.net. You can hit the donate tab, or if you're using the Church One app or the Sermons 2.0 app, if you look up Theology Central, it should be like give. I think it's a give tab. All of anything you give doesn't come to me. It goes directly to Victory Baptist Church. All right. Thanks for listening. Everyone have a wonderful, wonderful day. I now have 752 million things I need to accomplish. So let's hope I get at least a couple of things accomplished. And hopefully... I will exercise some self-discipline and run the race in a way that I could obtain a prize. But like I said, I, I don't, no matter how self-disciplined I am, I'm never going to obtain that prize because, well, there's a million ways I fall short. All right. Thanks for listening. God bless.